Welcome to the Mike and Micah podcast presented by Legendary Sports Network. I'm Mike here with Micah. This is a very special episode to us. It's a State of the Redskins episode. We're going to be talking about everything from the past season to look into the future with the Redskins. Micah, it was a tough season for the Redskins, 3-13, and 13, not what anybody really expected. What was your take on this last season? Man, I think going in, bro, Um, I had them, you know, and I, I kind of projected that if the Redskins were able to stay healthy and that things were, you know, even uh, a little bit similar from last year, that we would be a uh, – We'll be a, a decent team at best. We'll be middle of the pack, maybe around six to eight wins is probably where I projected them. Um, simply because I thought that with the talent on the roster, um, you know, a similar coaching staff coming back, um, yeah, you know, things kind of fell apart for the last couple years, really, maybe the last half of the decade because of bad injuries at bad times. I thought if we stayed healthy, that you know, things would be able to, um, things would be able to be okay. We wouldn't make the playoffs, but we would be all right. Um, and as it turns out, bro, that was completely, completely, completely wrong. Um, from the gate, the same thing that's always bothered us is injuries. Um, they came back to bite us in a, a big way. Um, we started Case Keenum very on, uh, very early on in the season as our starter going into week one. And it just didn't work out, man. Uh, Jay Gruden, who was our coach to start the season, um, you know, it was probably his last misstep. And, you know, it was kind of signs of him being out the door anyway, him not being involved in the draft process. And it was being kind of a disconnect between – uh, what the coach wanted and maybe what uh, the upper management wanted. And, you know, that disconnect along with the fact that they started 0-5 was really just like, what else could really happen here? Um, and, and, you know, I mean, our schedule was terrible. We kind of always talked about us losing probably those first five games and picking up that first win maybe in Miami, um, which which pretty much happened, which is exactly what happened. But, uh, you know, just going through it, man, it was bad. It, it was really bad. It was embarrassing to be a Redskins fan. Um, and it was just one of those seasons where – you kind of have to think. You kind of have to reflect, and you really hope that this this kind of thing doesn't happen again, and it doesn't get this bad. Because it was it was a lot of um, it was a lot of turmoil surrounding the team. Uh, it's always been the the main thing, and should we change it? Is it racist? Amongst other things, but even beyond that, the politics of what football is. The football was just terrible, bro. It was just bad football. Um, outside of a few bright spots, shout to uh, Terry McLaurin. Um, shout out to Steven Sims later in the season. Shout out to Haskins late in the season. There was not much to really be happy about watching the Redskins games, and that's what really hurt me. The team, um, they would play good for maybe a quarter, you know, it, it uh, maybe a quarter of inspired football, and they would just fall flat. And whether that was bad leadership, whether it, whatever it was, um, it just it just didn't work out. And I didn't really like watching these games. Um, you know, the Skins haven't really felt like a respectable team since that little six and two run, and even then we, we bottomed out. So, um, you know, the season was overall a disappointment. Um, I can't say it was a surprise because, I mean, you know, when you're dealing with the Redskins in the situation we had, it was pretty much, okay, something's not going to go right. But 3-13, we're definitely the worst season I've seen in my lifetime. So it sucks watching that. You said it there perfectly, Micah. Uh, for me personally, the fact that Jay Gruden started with Case Keenum with, in the season, that was not a problem with me. Um, he was trying to save his job, and he thought Case Keenum and eventually Colt McCoy was going to be that guy for him. If you would have told us that 17-0 to start the season was going to be our highlight, I mean, I would have said that you're crazy. I just didn't see that happening. But for people that are saying that Haskins should have started or Haskins should have started from week one, I don't necessarily agree with that. Well, he only played one season in college, and he had sat the other two years previous. So 
his last real game experience was senior uh, high school football. Mm-hmm. Year at Ohio State with a lot of talent. So we weren't we weren't screaming for uh, Dwayne Haskins to start immediately. Yeah, we saw Daniel Jones get that nod uh, uh, early on, but it's okay. There was two different situations: a senior versus a junior who only played one year. We were both fine with it. But where I became very upset with the season because. Like you said, we knew we were probably going to start 1-4, and 0-5, oh was when Jay Gruden got fired and Bill Callahan stuck with Case Keenum. Mm-hmm. I don't know about you, Micah, but when I was like preparing for this pod, I was thinking, if Case Keenum never got a concussion, what game would we have seen Haskins? Man. Like, would he have, would he have played the season? Realistically, I think he would have played the season, but I don't think it, it would have been that Jets loss. That Jets loss was finally that tipping point, like, okay. I think we would have finally seen him that last couple, like that last stretch of the season. But man, 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 man. That's 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 what make, makes me upset. It's like, yeah, we were zero and five at that point. Dwayne Haskins should have been the starter for the rest mm-hmm. of the season. There were reports coming out left and right that Dwayne Haskins didn't know the playbook. Dwayne Haskins wasn't preparing. Dwayne Haskins wasn't this. Dwayne Haskins wasn't that. I don't know where these reports came from, but we saw as Dwayne Haskins. Got into the game against the Buffalo Bills. He wasn't. He wasn't terribly bad. He wasn't. Uh, he wasn't spilling up all, all over himself, throwing interceptions left and right. He was able to manage the game. And as he got more comfortable within the playbook, he was able to make plays. And if we would have started him from Game Five of the season, who knows where he would have been now? Been at now, developmental, uh, development wise, practice and playing in a game are two totally different mm-hmm. things. And the fact that. We know that Daniel Snyder, he's, he's trying to take the back seat. He's not trying to be front-facing. He's not trying to control the team. He's going to let his coaches coach. The fact that he didn't step in and say, look, Bill Callahan, I'm giving you this job, but there's only one thing you have to do, and that's make sure Dwayne Haskins is prepared and ready to be the quarterback going forward in the future. And that means starting him game five. I don't care if he's going against the toughest defense in the NFL. That's good for him. Him going against that Jets defense where – uh, Greg Williams is uh, showing him all those different blitzes. That's it's good for him because right there, he, he, he's going to be seeing that all of his career. He Teams saw that, oh, he can't really pick out the zone, so they started playing him zone. Well, we saw those last two games. He was killing teams against the zone, finding Steven Sims, finding Terry McLaurin. So the fact that as the Redskins, they, didn't, they weren't able to see and look into the future, that they were still trying to win at 0-5 or 1-5 when they beat the Dolphins, like, baffles me. It honestly baffles me. And I don't know if it was Bruce Allen's call or Bill Callahan, but the fact that Dwayne Haskins didn't start until the Buffalo Bills game because of a Case Keenum, <laughs> a Case Keenum uh, concussion is, is, is insane. Concerning the defense, I want to say Greg Minuski is the problem, but also they, they're, everybody was like, yeah, they need to go to uh, a 4-3 look, blah, 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 at space. I understand that. But also we have to we, we watched the games and they also played nickel a lot. Mm-hmm. They weren't in they weren't in the base defense the whole game. So knowing Ron Rivera and I, I've read some things about Jack Del Rio too, they also played nickel a lot. So it's not gonna be that much of a change. Yeah, your base is gonna be is gonna be different and you have less coverage from Montez Sweat and Ryan Kerrigan and uh hopefully Chase Young. You'll definitely see some less uh co- well, no coverage at all from them. But the defense still underperformed. This is supposed to be a D-line that was supposed to be – a front seven, actually, that was supposed to be top 10 in the league. They weren't top 15. They weren't top 20. This was a bottom-ranked defense in the NFL. And, yeah, maybe Greg Massey coaching and players came, have come out and said um, 
they weren't put in the right positions anonymously, saying they weren't put in the right positions to, to succeed. And that may be Greg Manessi. But as a baller, you have to go out and make plays. Hopefully, Ron Rivera's going to change that. We're going to get to that in a little bit. But this, this season was just something that I did not expect. I mean, when we did our NFC East preview pod, a lot of, we had it as a third or fourth seed, depending on um, thought this could be thought this could go any way for uh, for the Redskins. Maybe a six, a six to eight wins, like you said. We didn't think we were getting uh, an over 500 record with the way that the roster was currently constructed. But hey, the fact that we went three and 13, it sucks, but we move on and we're going to have now a top pick and hopefully we can look forward now. I know I've been bashing on the Redskins, but they have been bright spots. Dwayne Haskins' development each and every game was something that I look forward to. Um, he had a near-perfect QBR before he got injured in that Giants game mm-hmm. to, to end his season. It's just like, wow. He was confident. He knew where he was going with the ball. He wasn't sailing the ball anymore. He was confident. His feet were set. It was nice to see with um, Terry McCorn. I mean, you could say he's, he's a, he was a top – to rookie receiver, maybe best rookie receiver. I mean, A.J. Brown came on late, but Terry McCohen from the first game of the season has been consistently good. D.K. has also been pretty good. Uh, we saw Steven Sims, who each and every week got more and more as Paul Richardson. That contract was a dud. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we should cut him. As Paul Richardson and Trey Quinn both got injured, Steven Sims got more opportunities, and we saw that he's a baller. Darius Geis, yes, he got injured. Yeah, it's not great to see that. But on the other hand, he's a baller. When he's able to stay healthy and in the game, he will give you – he's going to give you good yards. Adrian Peterson, he's still old and still able to get things going. With an old line that was depleted with no Trent Williams, with, with just things moving around, he was able to get his yards. Almost had 1,000 yards, um, but those last two games kind of derailed that 1,000 uh, yards, yards for him. Eric Flowers, I mean, we bashed him oh in our offseason pod saying that I, I don't know why the Redskins will pick him up. Bill Callahan, not a head coach, but a damn good mm-hmm. old line coach. The fact that he was able to transform Eric Flowers from a tackle to a guard, and he was our best, don't get it, he was our best guard this season. Brandon Sheriff, with injuries and with holding penalties, was not the best guard this season for the Redskins. It was Eric Flowers. He was probably our best offensive lineman, I would say. Uh, him and Donald Penn did an oh, yeah. amazing job. And we thought the left side was a side that was going to struggle. Um, Wes Martin, when he came in for Brandon Sheriff, I was really impressed with that. Um, if we do let Brandon Sheriff go, I'll be fine with a Wes Martin moving into that spot. So that's another another bright spot for that defense. And Matt Ioannidis, he doesn't get enough love at all, but he was our best defensive lineman this year. He was able to produce at a high level, even though things weren't going well for that defense. And last but not least, I want to shout out KLC because – Reports are he got the reins the last two games of the season, and we saw what that Redskins offense was able to do. They were able to produce at a super high level. The Dwayne Haskins looked confident. They were scoring points, and that's something we hadn't seen all season. So, yeah, there were negatives, but there were also little bright spots here and there throughout the season. But, Micah, now that the season is over and we've seen some changes, let's start to talk about those changes. The biggest one of them all, Bruce Allen, GM for 10 years, president, everything to the Redskins. He was calling all the shots. It's finally gone. What is Bruce Allen's legacy with the Washington Redskins, Michael? Man, Bruce Allen's legacy is, um, you know, is, is definitely one of disappointment. Um, and I'll say it's one of, of I would say, wasted potential. Um, 
man, the roster we put out for the last decade, it is nothing short of, of talent, to say the least, especially that later half of the decade. Uh, really just starting with the teams we started building um, with Mike Shanahan when we got RG3 and things like that. Those are pretty strong teams. We made a nice little playoff run with RG3's rookie year. Um, but even going forward after that, uh, we had a lot of talented, great football players walk through these doors. Um, players that anywhere else, I feel like they would have been key pieces on great teams. Um, and, you know, these players were just wasted and it, it kind of sucks to see um and especially not just the wasted talent um the kind of just mismanagement of just football operations in general um he did a, a very poor job of making the Redskins experience and you know in my case or not in my case but in my opinion uh worthwhile for players fans whoever um there was a, a just a doom and gloom kind of just feel um and you could tell about the players too um players that have left have not said anything glowing about the staff, you know, at, at all. The only thing glowing about the experience, really, from what the players have said, is the other players. And that's because it's kind of like this. Um, you know, when you're on bad teams, you kind of just band together. And that's your brothers. At the end of the day, if, if all things go wrong, at the end of the day, if you step out there on Sundays and you strap it up, you're going to play the game because that's who you're playing with. You're going to play with your brothers. So outside of that, there's not been anything positive to say about um about the experience of, of being in the Redskins Park being part of the franchise or anything like that. Um, it was really just a, a waste of a decade, in my opinion, man. Um, and, you know, mismanagement of football operation comes with things like bad training, uh, a, a probably terrible, probably the worst injury history I've seen from a team, really. Um, you know, stars on stars just keep getting hurt and hurt and hurt. Um, we had players like uh, Jerry Gillette, who didn't even see the field with us. He was a pro bowler coming in. Um, that he, You know, he got hurt uh, with the Saints, but... Coming in, he was supposed to be healthy and be that guy. We're still waiting on Ruben Foster to suit up um, from his ACL injury. You know, these are some of the things that things we can't necessarily stop. But, you know, when you see things like the mismanagement of what Trent Williams had to do, the growth on his head, the cancerous growth, and you see how we're kind of just trying to force him to be in something, it's terrible to see. Um, you know, the list goes on. But uh, basically, just a, it was just a waste of a decade, in my opinion, uh, or a mismanagement of football operations to the fullest. Um, I'm glad that Bruce Allen is coming back in no capacity. I don't want him leading my stadium search like there was some reports. I don't want him having to do anything with the rest. It's time for him to move on. And uh, I'm glad just to see the change. I think Dan Snyder finally, you know, his back is against the wall at this point. Uh, we're calling for his head too, but I guess that's another uh, another situation. Uh, we'll probably talk about that later. We're calling for his head, but for right now, we'll take this little moral victory and get Bruce Allen out of there. Yeah, Bruce Allen's tenure with the Redskins, it it was just he ruined mm-hmm. the Redskins. The Redskins became a joke of a franchise. Yeah, when he came came in, the Redskins weren't um the Redskins weren't considered a powerhouse by any means. But the last ten years have just proven that we are absolutely a joke in the NFL. Nobody respected us. Nobody thought that we were a team that takes care of their players. We were drafting poorly for a long time until recently in the past couple of years and we find out that Kyle Smith and Eric Schaefer and those guys had taken over kind of that draft process from Bruce Allen, but we were a joke. And Bruce Allen was able to convince Dan Snyder year after year that, look, we're, we're almost there. We're around the corner. We're going to, or in his words, we're close. And we weren't close. We weren't close to anything. We weren't close to being a playoff team. We weren't close to winning a Super Bowl. We, we weren't even close to being competitive in most of these games. And he would just made a mistake over and over and over again. And it got to a point where it's just like, I mean, how was he able to keep his job? After last season, how – I mean, I guess maybe even after last season, I understand why he kept his job. Just because 
he was um we were six and two until Alex Smith broke his mm-hmm. leg. Yeah, our schedule was super easy and it was about to get a lot tougher. And I don't I don't believe we were gonna make that playoffs that year, but he was. But the year before that, the fact that he kept his job and even through this season, it was just like there's no way. And then the report started coming out that he may stay around. And I was just like, This this can't happen. It was a disappointment and he ruined he ruined the Redskins, and it's a team that used to be a storied franchise, used to be one of those power pr- franchises, and we are no longer that. And we have to build from the bottom up, and and it's definitely something that's super disappointing. And I want to pivot from Bruce Allen to Dan Snyder like you were talking about. Even though Bruce Allen is gone, Dan Snyder has been here for 20 years, and there has been no consistent winning in the 20 years. So do you think that Bruce Allen, yeah, him being gone, we obviously know that he was a problem. Do you think that this Redskins team can win as long as Dan Snyder is still the owner? Unfortunately, mediocrity, bro, it starts from the head down, man. And when you got, uh, I guess, a, a head or a brain like Daniel Snyder, bro, it's hard to, to necessarily say um, anything necessarily positive. I mean, I'm happy with what we've done this whole season already just by coaching standards. But, man, he, Dan Snyder has just shown over my lifetime just a gross incompetence for – you know, having a pulse on what football should be and what what building a championship culture should be, um, and it's crazy. Apparently, he's he's somewhat close with Jerry Jones, and I don't think he's taking any of the lessons that Jerry Jones should have taught him because that's a, that's a somebody who's I mean, albeit Jerry Jones comes with his own his own problems and his own little bag of tricks, but he's built a winning culture for the most part with the Cowboys. Yes, recently they've been kind of like Mister, you know, Team Eight and Eight and things like that, but even so, the the there's always a positive. True, I'll, I'll take yeah, there's that. still, there's still. I'll take being every an year, eight every year right is now. a positivity about the Cowboys, and they're always projected to win the NFC East. Um, and you see what they've built. They they've built outside of coaching a very solid football roster, and it, yes, they underperformed, but still, I would take that than what the Redskins have been this decade. Um, and you know, man, I in the owner situations are weird. You can't necessarily fire an owner. He kind of has to just relinquish the team. The NFL is not going to do a vote and, and blackball them or say like, hey, you have to sell this team of gross incompetence because at the end of the day, the wrestlers are still as a brand, one of the biggest in football. He's doing yeah, he's doing his purpose. The business like, side. I think uh last year they they were number three. It was uh or number four, it was uh Cowboys, uh Patriots, Giants and then Redskins. We're still the NFC East is still the most profitable profitable division in the NFL. Exactly, bro. So as long as you know him as an owner, as long as he keeps bringing in the money and also I mean Technically, attendance did go up. Um, it's just because we finally let the home fans, I mean, the away fans get tickets to FedEx Field, and they packed it, and they made it a home game for all their away teams. So that's cool. Um, he's doing his job. He is conducting business as he should. He is, a, he is a pretty good businessman. I won't knock him on that. Football operations, though, and, and really bringing in the right people, it's not there. And we've seen that. He's made a lot of um, – He's orchestrated a lot, I'll say. A lot of weird decisions that, uh, you know, things like bringing Albert Haynes within for $100 million at the time where the market for a D-tackle was nowhere near $100 million. I don't know where he even got that price from. I mean, even going back farther, bringing guys in like Deion Sanders and Bruce Smith, all that stuff is cool, but those are just big names. It's not about building a winning culture. Um, You know, I hope Dan Snyder is is kind of real. I hope somebody's in his ear. Um, It sounds like he sat down with football guys and he, he's somewhat – it might just be a, a media thing and trying to just play a safe face. And it might not be true, but it sounds like for what it is what it is, and what it's worth, he has his back against the wall, and he's trying his hardest to make this uh, team respectable again. So 
yes, I don't want him as my owner, but it doesn't look like it's changing. So I hope we can get some wins uh, with him there. I, I don't know if we win a Super Bowl with him there, with him here, but um, I'll take some playoff wins. I'll take a nice little playoff run at this point, man. With uh, Dan Snyder, I'm actually taking a different take. The the knock on Dan Snyder before was that he was too involved with football operations. Mm-hmm. That he 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 always wanted to meddle in the football guys and didn't let him didn't let him work. Over the past ten years, he took a step back. Unfortunately, he took a step back with the wrong person in charge, with Bruce Allen. Bruce Allen was not the right guy, and he trusted in him. And he said, "Look, I'll give him enough time to." turn this thing around and he thought that he was going to be able to get something going and he never was and that's we see that that became an issue but Dan Snyder realized and he stepped in I think we can win with Dan Snyder um I think he he wants to win I think he's tired of seeing what his franchise has become with bringing in Ron Rivera with him with us being able to hire Ron Rivera literally the day after the season ended Dan Snyder was out there making moves during the season Mm -hmm. He wasn't waiting back like Jerry Jones or, uh, or Dave Gettleman or, or the Maras from the Giants and waiting to see what happened. He knew that he was getting a new coach. He knew the guy that he wanted. He knew what he wanted to uh, give him, and he was able to go and get him. Dan Snyder before, yeah, he drafted Dwayne Haskins. Um, he told the front office to draft Dwayne Haskins. Well, it looks like that Dwayne Haskins pick isn't terrible. It looks like Dwayne Haskins has gotten better each and every week. And that's something that we can be proud of. And now that you have somebody that he respects in, uh, in that head coach in front of office, we'll probably see him take a step back in the draft again because we hadn't heard much about we hadn't heard uh, much about Dan Snyder involved in the draft the past couple of years. It was only when it came to drafting Dwayne Haskins. And yes, he understood that we needed a franchise quarterback, and we hadn't had one since basically uh, Kirk Cousins, and he wasn't truly a franchise quarterback because it was always contract discussions with our uh with Kirk Cousins and before that it was RG3 who was injury prone so yeah I believe that we can win with Dan Snyder I think that if he's able to take a step back which we show he's shown an ability to the past 10 years that we can if we have the right people in place we can be a winning franchise it's just that do we trust his ability to pick the right people <laughs> to put him in place going off the last 10 years I don't think that we do um but hopefully it's a new era it's a new day and Moving on from that, we'll, we'll go to our new coach and maybe head up football operations and Ron Rivera. Mike, what were your thoughts on that? Man, um, I loved it. And I mentioned it before. I do love Ron Rivera being the guy in charge of coaching. Um, and maybe you give him a, a football operations spot. I would, he's used to, I, I would say this, in, in Carolina, he did defer somewhat. There was, you know, he did have higher ups technically, but he was involved in every single process. Um, if you are going to defer a little bit, I think, of course, there should still be involvement. Uh, not what they did with Jay Gruden and kind of cut him out after a while when they felt like, you know, he wasn't doing his job or he didn't have a pulse on the team or whatever it was. You involve a guy like Ron Rivera because what he brings to the table is respect, man, respecting character, first of all. Um, you have to respect Ron Rivera. He is a football guy, like, to the core. Um, the same way you would respect a guy like John Gruden with the Raiders if he's there. Um Excuse me. You give him that uh, supreme respect because this is a guy who's proven that he can win. He won as a player. He won a Super Bowl as a player. He's been to the Super Bowl as a coach. He's a respected uh, defensive coordinator for years in the NFL. And he's a guy who's been around. So you give him that respect. Um, in my opinion, he's probably the best coach we've had since, like, Joe Gibbs as far as just being uh, 
being a solid face and, and bringing guys with high character and respectability. Um, I don't want to say Mike Shanahan because his tenure was – it was a little weird. Like, it was a it was a mixed period. Uh, he, he went through, it like, a couple GMs or uh, two GMs and something like that. So, you know, it, it's a little bit weird of a situation. But uh, having Ron Rivera here, and I feel like the moves he's going to make and the respect he has around the league is going to bring a lot of legitimacy back to, um, to the Redskins and what I guess the Redskins are trying to do and what they're trying to build. At the end of the day, I just want consistency, man. I, I just want them to play hard football, um, care about what they're doing, um, and just and just be prideful of the fact that they're playing for a franchise uh, like the Redskins. And I think Ron Rivera will be able to instill that. Yeah, I I mean we talked about it in our coaching carousel pod. I love the I love uh, getting Ron Rivera. Rivera has proven that he can take a team to a Super Bowl. He's proven that he could take a team that's at the bottom and turn them around. The Panthers, I believe, were 2-14, and 14, mm-hmm. and he took them to a 15-1 and one Super Bowl, almost winning uh, Super Bowl. But that Denver Broncos defense was just <laughs> – they were on – With Jack level. Del Rio, mind you. Yep, <laughs> and Jack Del Rio. So that's, that's – you love to see that. With the Redskins taking him, I want Ron Rivera to have a football ops role. I want him to be the one making the final decisions because – I don't know. I think if he has full control of the roster, he gets to construct it the way he wants. We've already seen him make moves, uh, and people have already, whether you agree with it or not, uh, he took out the ping pong table, he took out shuffleboard, mm-hmm. and he said, look, you're going to have to earn these type of things. Yes. We're, we're here to work. We're not here to play. And personally, for me, I love it. I love a coach who's tough. I love a coach who's going to be able to, who's going to, be able to put his foot down immediately and people are going to respect. Because nobody respected Jay Gruden. It got to a point where people thought that Jay Gruden bro. was a joke. Exactly. And they got to do whatever they wanted. And that, in turn, didn't work. It didn't work out. The super players coach was not working out for, uh, was not working out for the Redskins. So what do you do? Go the complete opposite. And you go with a tough-ass guy who is going to put people in their place. And I believe Ron Rivera is going to do that. I believe he's the right guy. I believe he's going to change, uh, change the franchise around. And I'm hopeful. I do caution Redskins fans. It's not going to change in one year. Mm-hmm. It just isn't. Look at the way he did it with the Carolina Panthers. Year by year, it got better. And that's what's going to have to happen here. Year by year, we're going to have to get better. We talked about it yes, uh, yesterday, yesterday or this morning in uh, the group chat. Either 6 or 10 this year, maybe 7 to 9 if we're lucky. The next year, we can go 8 and 8, 9 and 7. And then you're looking for a 10, 11 win maybe season. Mm-hmm. And that that's what's gonna. That's what's it's gonna like, happen, bro. He signed a you know, five year deal, bro. Like we have time. Just yeah, just, it, it, it's, it's 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 not a one year thing. It's not something that we're we're expecting to be in the playoffs next year. Yeah, I mean, be we I <laughs> I believe we have talent, and if everything goes out and Chase Young is that player that we think he is, most definitely he can be here. Or we could be in the playoffs next year, especially the way the NFC East mm-hmm. played the past couple of years. We saw that they haven't NFC East isn't tough. I mean, what did the the Eagles win it with? What nine and seven Bro. as the record? So yeah. that's not that's not anything that's too crazy for you to to overtake. So yeah, it, it's it's definitely possible. But I want everybody to just caution and just wait and let it run its course. And as long as we see progress in each and every game, and as long as we're competitive each and every game, I am totally fine with us going six and ten uh, next year and getting another draft pick to help build this team this team together and. With that, now that we know that Ron Rivera, he probably does have some type of 
uh, final say. What exactly do you want the construction of the coaching staff to be? Obviously, we have Jack Del Rio as the D.C. With our offensive coordinator, do you want the Redskins to keep KOC or do you want him to go somewhere else? Man, um, first I'll talk about um, what our offensive coordinator style, uh, what I want to see out of our offensive coordinator. But I will touch on Jack Del Rio before I pass it back over to you, bro. But uh, I do want the Redskins to actually keep Kevin O'Connell um, simply because of the relationship he built with our starting quarterback, our quarterback of the future. Um, it's a big, big thing, um, and I value it a lot. Um, transparency between quarterback and offensive coordinator, and you know that QB room thing. You get a, a QB coach that can kind of talk their game too. Um, you want that. You want that transparency because if your quarterback and your offensive coordinator start seeing eye to eye, magic is going to happen. If your if your quarterback starts turning into the offensive coordinator on the field, they, he's going to start playing, calling plays, and, and seeing things before they even happen. He's going to start seeing the same tendencies that the offensive coordinator does. And I'm starting to think that that process is already happening. Um, Kevin O'Connell is a, a relatively young coach, and he was a quarterback in the past. He's played with the likes of Brady before. He's been in the Patriots system. He is an accomplished quarterback for it in his own right. If anybody could relate to what Dwayne Haskins could be going through as a quarterback, it is him. You you build on that. You, whatever magic was working at the end of the season that we started scoring points and we started seeing comfortability come from him. And of course that comes with time from Dwayne Haskins, but you keep building on that because putting a hard reset right now is going to hurt his development so, so much. We've seen it. I feel like with Baker Mayfield, uh, you mentioned it. The fact that, um, the, f- <clears throat> the fact that the offensive coordinator turned it to their head coach and they wasn't the same relationship. And instead of worrying about just the offense, now he's to worry about the whole team. That hurt Baker Mayfield, I feel like, in my opinion. He didn't get those same lessons because there's a new offensive coordinator in there. And even the offensive coordinator was kind of backdooring um, what the, you know, the, the Browns in a way. But I just – I want to see Kevin O'Connell back. Uh, I feel like he has the right mindset. I feel like he put players in the right positions. Um, he got the guys on the field with the most production. We finally saw Steven Sims used as an asset on the field. You started seeing reverses. You started seeing a little bit of trickeration. Um, and of course, Terry McLaurin is that guy, so he's going to play well in whatever offense we saw that. I mean, he's legit. Um, but you start seeing guys like Kelvin Harmon. I think they could use maybe another receiver to kind of fill out core four and some tight ends. But and, and you know, a healthy running back situation, of course. But I, I liked what I saw from the offense trending towards the end of the season. It was really good, and it was interesting to watch how um, these young guys are starting to really gel and play together, and, and they build chemistry. I, I follow a couple of them on Instagram, and they they like playing with each other. Um, there's a camaraderie building, and I think if you break that up now, it's just going to hurt. But uh, I just want to touch on Jack Del Rio. Man, I, I love this, bro. I really, really do love this. Um, yes, we, we all know that Dan was clamoring for a 4-3. We, he, I guess he kind of heard us. I don't know if he has a burner Twitter or something like that to even think about that <laughs> because we were clamoring for it as a Redskins Twitter for, like, the last year or so. Um, you can't put guys like Montez Sweat and Ryan Kerrigan in coverage. Um, it, it's just not going to work, man. You got to get the hands in there and let them be elite pass rushers, which they are. Um, yes, Jack Del Rio is going to institute a four-three. Um, you know, uh, a lot of simple defenses, uh, man disguise looks, a lot of man alignment looks uh, that move the zone and things like that. Um, but it works. We saw it in Denver. It works, man. And we've seen it in the past before. He's coached guys like Julius Peppers, Khalil Mack, Von Miller. Um, interior guys have got a lot of love in the system too. I'm thinking Terrence Knighton from the Broncos Super Bowl, uh, from the Super Bowl team. These are guys that. Value, um, yeah, Jack Del Rio is a guy that values a lot of pass rush, and he knows how to coach that. He knows how to coach a physical defense, and I think that's one thing we're missing. Um, our pass rush was supposed to be touted, like you mentioned, bro. It just wasn't. 
it wasn't that this year. Yes, Matt Ionitis had a great year. Um, and, you know, coverage probably could have helped that a little bit too, but they were just – I don't know if it was not being inspired because of Greg Minuski or whatever it was, but they just dropped the ball this year for a team – for at least a, a unit that I thought would be the best in the league. To keep it, to keep it straight, I thought it would be the best in the league for what it was. Um, I think a new coach and a new energy and a new system kind of reinvigorates that. And I would like to see them getting back to what it was. And if you add Chase Young to that, bro, which I think we will – it the sky's the limit for what this defense can do. So I, I really like this. It, it solidifies what you want your um, what you want your style of play to be on a defense. It kind of um, sets the tone for the team because a great defense definitely sets the tone for uh, a team. So I like that. I like it a lot, man. Yeah, I, I definitely like it a lot. Um, you touched on it. KLC has to say as the OC, I don't need to elaborate more on that. Him and Dwayne Haskins. They understood each other better each and every week, and we saw that it turned into more production on the uh, field each and every week. On the defensive end, 4-3, Ryan Kerrigan already came out and said, look, I got to put on 10, 15 pounds again like I did at Purdue because I I don't have to worry about coverage anymore. I'm I'm straight rushing the passer. And if you can get Ryan Kerrigan, who is a – it's crazy. He was playing playing in the 3-4 for the longest time. This season obviously doesn't really count, but – he was a sack man mm-hmm. with having to play coverage. He wasn't just a straight straight rush guy. Imagine if Ryan Kerrigan could come back healthy and he just becomes a straight rush guy. Who knows what we can get from that? Montez Sweat. We saw that Bill Callahan said, "I, I don't want him. I don't want him in coverage in the Cowboys game. I just want him rushing." And look what he did. And, and we saw what we got from Montez Sweat when he, he didn't have to think about, "Oh, who am I covering out of the uh, backfield here?" Um, we saw with uh, Chase Young his ability if, if we do get him. And now you have a situation where you can move John Allen to a DN. Mm-hmm. I'm at Ioannidis to a DN. There's so many different iterations you could play. And then with your three linebackers in uh, Foster, Holcomb, and um, Foster, Foster, Holcomb, you can go Bostic, you can go Sean, Dion. You, you can go so many different ways with that linebacker, linebacking core. It's going to be a very, very interesting a very very interesting defense. I do believe we still need another corner, and we need to address that yes, we do. in the draft with in the third round because we don't have a second round pick right now. Um, safety, we do need another safety too, and that's something that we can address. I think last year was the let's address our wide receivers and find and get a bunch of wide receivers and see what sticks. All those wide receivers stuck, mm-hmm. so that that's something you don't really have to worry about. Tight end is huge, and we'll get to our draft needs in in a later pod. But I do believe defensively. We have two guys in Rivera and Del Rio who will get this defense right back on track and get them to being a top 10 unit, I truly believe, as of next year. I believe they have the ability to be a top 10 unit in the league as soon as, as, soon as next year. But we talked about, we talked about, um, we talked about OCDC head coach. Let's look a little bit to the draft with that number two pick for right now. There have been a lot of talks. I've seen people saying that, we should trade down because we have so many needs that we should trade down, try to get maybe an extra first and extra second so that a team can chase, take Chase Young at number two. Mm-hmm. Micah, I know where we stand on this, but I want you to elaborate to the people. Who exactly are we taking with that number two pick? Do you think we should take Chase Young or do you think we should trade down? Man, um, you know, I flipped both ways with this. So um, maybe about a week ago or so, I was – I would say I was more leaning towards maybe we should trade down. Um, and, you know, it's, it's no knock on what Chase Young brings to the table, but I miss having a second-round pick, bro. I do. I really do miss having a second-round pick. Um, not just that. I feel like we would get a haul. 
um, for a guy like Chase Young. Just having that, uh, the idea, if a team wants to move up and take him, um, they would give a lot to us. Um, and, you know, that that idea, you know, it, it kind of falls from we have a good D-line. Uh, it, it would it would mean we would sign guys like Ryan Kerrigan, and we would put him at that DN spot, and then we have an interior rotation uh, with the Alabama boys and Matt Ioannidis if uh, we get him back. Um, you know, that, that kind of idea was floating in my mind. I'm thinking the needs we needed at uh, offensive line and DB and things like that. If we trade down, maybe it fits a little bit more. But, man, coming into this week and seeing – really just seeing that college football playoff game, bro, I, I can't – you can't pass on Chase Young. It's, it's no way possible, bro, at this point. Um, and, you know, signing – I feel like Ron Rivera and getting a guy like Jack Darrell, it solidifies it. Um, and Jack Darrell's uh, – in situations where he was inserted as he's the coordinator, it took Julius Peppers and they took Von Miller. And instant success happened. Um, I think literally the year or both years that that happened, either both teams went to uh, championship games or Super Bowl games. Uh, these are things that, you know, they're, they're game-changing things. When you get an elite edge rusher really early and you implement a system that can tailor that and you already have a great D-line. I mentioned before, man, I think the sky's the limit for the defense. So, I think Chase Young at this point is the guy. Um, if something happens, let's say the Bengals do take uh, Chase Young for whatever reason, I think we do trade down. I don't think there's anybody we would take at two that we couldn't take um, maybe a little bit later in the first round. Uh, oh, yeah. you We'll get a haul for uh, that number two because people people would want to get Joe Burrow. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, if, if the Bengals decide to go the Chase Young route, let's say they find a quarterback in free agency, which very well could happen if, if you know, throughout the draft process, they don't really see what Joe Burrow is or if he tanks it and uh, – the, in the championship game. If that happens, we trade down, and I think we get a haul from him. I think we get some way back into the second round, a very high pick. That's basically an extended first-round pick because we would have the second pick of the second round. Um, I like doing that. But if Chase Young's there at, <laughs> at number two, you take Chase Young and you just live with it, man. You, you do what you got to do, but you live with that. So I think those are the two options. Um, anything else, it would just be idiotic in my uh, in point of view. You take Chase Young. It's as simple as that. Yeah, <laughs> we're not, we're not, we're not a piece or two away where it's like, okay, let's trade down, let's get a tight end, let's get a cornerback, boom, we're set, we're good, we're we're a championship team. Take the best. We are team. multiple pieces away. We need O line. We need we need DBs. We need all that. And yeah, that that could be some people's excuse on why exactly we need to uh, trade down. Mm-hmm. But that's the exact reason why I'm saying you need to get as many surefire bets as possible because yeah, Montez Sweat. He, he was shining here and there, but he wasn't consistent throughout the season. No, he wasn't. Ryan Kerrigan is getting older. I mean, Ryan, uh, Ryan Anderson, who's probably going to switch to line, uh, a linebacker role now, he was pretty good at rushing, but it, it wasn't all that by any means. Mm-hmm. So we're, we're nowhere set to be in a team that's close. You get the best player av- available, and you go from there. I think in this draft, too, in the third round, best player available at cornerbacks. You take the best player available at – it's – it's just what what yeah, we have. The to draft do. is loaded at skill positions too, so you're not really yeah, you, you're not going to make a bad pick at that point. Which you've done great in you know rounds two through seven. Up, yep, that's where you you found the gems. You, Steven Sims was undrafted, and he was he started balling. Cole Holcomb late in the um late in the draft. Terry McLaurin was a third round pick. So there's just a bunch. Kelvin Harmon too last mm-hmm. year. So there are a bunch of just late round guys that they've been able to to hit on, and I think they'll be able to do that with. Um, with a third-round cornerback or tight end or whatever it may be. But you've you got to get Chase Young. You just have to get Chase Young. And it's it's something that I don't really think this should be a conversation or even for a debate. I did hear Todd McShay this, mor- uh, this morning. He was on 
the Rich Eisen show last uh, last week mm-hmm. at some point, and he said um, what he's hearing is that Joe Burrow, you could sharpie it in at number one, and Chase Young, you can sharpie it in at number two. So looks like we will be getting Chase Young, and I'm excited about that. I think it's going to help the Redskins in so many different ways, uh, in so many different ways going forward, just having to worry about him and Montez Sweat off the edge is something that is a scary sight for years to come. And we saw Darius Geis and Dwayne Haskins already weigh in as, he saw, as we saw that he was leaving for uh, – he declared for the draft. Darius Geis said, I'm already looking for your house in Ashburn. And Dwayne Haskins said, see you soon. So it's, it's definitely a good sign that the Redskins players are happy to be getting uh, Chase Young too. But before we end this pod, Micah, I just want to get your prediction on – what you or not prediction, but what you want to see from the next couple of months from the Redskins and filling their staff and like draft process and everything. And what do you want to see going forward from this Redskins team? The biggest thing I want to see, man, is um, competent decisions and transparency. And for the first time, I see somewhat confidence coming from decisions. And I just want to see transparency laid out. Um, I hated hearing those stories about Jay Gruden. And I keep mentioning it, but. This is a sore thumb in my eye. Like, why was he not a part of the draft process? Like, why was there a disconnect? Why were there two differing opinions? You know, this is your head coach. At the end of the day, he's the guy leading your men. You know, and I don't want to say war, use a war analogy, but shoot, I mean, that's, that's what it is, man. As a leader, you have to be that guy. You have to be the force. You have to be the general, and he wasn't. So I think getting a guy like Robert Rivera, he is that general. He is that 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 guy is going to lead you into battle, and I would like to see him. I would like to see him make decisions. Um, like I said, if he does have to defer, I want to see him involved with things. If we do get a GM or whatever is you know an official title, um, that's cool. But at the end of the day, Ron Rivera needs to be making decisions on everything football related. Like you said, he if you know if you want to defer like GM and football operations, he has to be football operations. There's no doubt about it. Um, there's definitely no doubt about it. He has to be involved, but. Like I said, I would like to see transparency, and I would like to just see competitiveness, man, um, and excitement for being a Redskins fan again. I want to see our fans in the stadium next year. I want to see us excited for Redskins football because we haven't been for the last – really since RG3 has been here. So I, I just want to see that. But outside of that, man, just keep making just keep making the right moves. I like how we're doing this offseason already. Uh, sign the guys you need to sign. Don't overpay anybody. If people want to walk because they want to get super paid, we're not losing – too much out of that. Like, if Josh Norman, he, he wants a super big contract, let him go. Please let him go. It's okay. Even his guy, even though his guys are coming back, just let him go. Don't overpay anybody. Make smart decisions. And let's, let's start building winning football again. For me, over the next couple months, I don't want to see anything. I truly do not want to see anything from the Redskins. Uh, I want to see – I want to see us just be quiet. Because it feels like we're always in the news. Yeah. We're always in the news. We're always in a headline. Let's just be a quiet organization, going about doing our things the right way. Let Ron Rivera take over and let our actions speak louder than our words. I want to see us reset with getting all the old guys out. I want Paul Richardson cut. I want Josh Norman cut. Ryan Kerrigan can come back. He said he'll come back on a on a super cheap deal. I like that. Um, he said he wants to be a Redskins for life. So hey. We can, we can restructure that contract and make sure he comes back on a super uh, cheap deal. Everybody else is either young or Landon Collins, who is – who I mean, he's a box safety. He's, he's going to love oh, playing he's with gonna uh, love Jack Del, oh my God. <laughs> Del Rio and, uh, and Ron. So he's definitely going to love that. But if you're not a young piece that we're trying to develop or an established piece who we know you are part of our future for the longest time, mm-hmm. go ahead and uh, go ahead and you can walk. 
And that's, that's what I want to see. I, I do want to see I, – I, actually, I, I forgot to bring this up, but there have been reports that Trent Williams, because the head athletic trainer uh, Larry Hess and Bruce Allen were fired, that he could make a return. Adrian Peterson put word to it that he could see it also happening too. That's one piece that I would not be upset with coming back because you don't get premier left tackles. You, you just don't let premier left tackles walk. Not a Hall of Fame so, left tackle. Exactly. So if Trent is saying, look, you got the people that I want out. You, uh, it's, a new, it's a new front office. It's a new face. It's a new everything. I'm ready to come back. You let that type of person come back 100%. You pay him that's too. Not, that's not even, yeah, that's, that's not even a question. You, you pay him. You give him the money because you need somebody protecting Dwayne Haskins. Dwayne Haskins, yeah, he, he played pretty well, but he also had injuries those last, those last, two, uh, last couple of games. Mm-hmm. Green Bay, he got injured with the ankle, and we, saw, um, and we saw him get injured, obviously, against the Giants. We need to make sure that our quarterback is protected. We saw with RG3 what happened. So making sure that we get all of that situated, if that can happen, I'll be a happy camper. If we're not in the news, that's the best-case scenario <laughs> for me. And I think that that's going to happen with uh, this Redskins team going forward. But any any last second thoughts that you have, Micah, before we get out of here? Uh, nah, man. I just, I just like you said, bro. I just want to see the ship going. I just want to see competency. I just want to see good football at the end of the day, bro. That's all I ever wanted to see. So okay. we'll we'll see how it plays out. But I like the track going right now. Yep, I'm going to be cautiously optimistic because that's that's the best I can do for this <laughs> team right now. I'm not. Just, I'm never going to be just straight optimistic. But thanks again for listening to the State of the Redskins podcast. We'll be back tomorrow. Uh, we'll be back tomorrow night recapping Wild Card Weekend games starting today at around four o'clock. So make sure you subscribe to Legendary Sports Network. And for Mike and Micah, we'll see you on the next episode. Peace. Peace.